It's a wonderful time of year, isn't it, when we celebrate uh, what God has shown us in, in sending his son to the world. Um, there are lots of different religions uh, around the world, and they share some similarities, of course, but they each have their uniqueness. And the thing that, for me, that stands out about Christianity is this uh, incredible message, really, about what we call the incarnation. When you hear Christians talk about the incarnation, uh, carne means meat, you know, like chili con carne. So incarnation means God became flesh, actual real meat and bone and muscle and blood like we have. So the incarnation is just a fancy word for a very important Christian belief that God became one of us, a human being. And he didn't, it wasn't just like it was a bit of God in a human being when Jesus was born. It wasn't just that he was a sort of representation of what God might be like in a human. He wasn't just a spokesperson for God. There had been many of them before. What we believe about the birth of Jesus is that we're told that God fully came here in that human being that we call Jesus, born in Bethlehem, lived his childhood in Nazareth, and then went out and did some incredible things for the world. So he was really a human. You know, Jesus, when he was coming up to five years old, probably when they took him to the synagogue, he got a bit fed up when it was going on a bit too long. Uh, he was an ordinary child, like we, our childhood. He had fun and, and fell over and grazed his knees, and his, it would have been a normal human life he lived, just like ours. And I think that's one of the most incredible things, that when we want to ask that question, what's God like? God has actually ultimately, more than anything else, God has shown us clearly who he is in that human being that is Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem. People and also religions have, have tried to depict God in many ways over the centuries and the years. Uh, sometimes we've portrayed God in some pretty rubbish ways. Uh, I've tried to think of a few. You know, you have the sort of tyrant God full of hate. You have the sort of distant God who's just without emotion, you know, just a long way away, nothing to do with us. Sometimes you have a sort of self-obsessed, narcissistic God who's just wants attention all the time, obsessed with himself. Or you, then you get the fuddy-duddy God who's a bit of a killjoy, you know, very easily offended and gets very grumpy about things. Sometimes people portray God like that. And you get sort of nationalist gods over the years, you know, different nations saying, oh, God's on our side. He likes us best. You get the my personal talisman God, you know, carry him around, agrees with everything I think God. That's quite a common one. We all do that sometimes, don't we? The God who agrees with everything I think. And then there's the vending machine God, a God who just exists when I want some things from him. And then I'll pray and see what he gives me. But interestingly, Christmas is none of those things, because God is none of those things. If, if God fits into any of our neat categories, he's probably, you know, or under our neat labels we like to put on God, that's probably not the God who's revealed to us in the life of Jesus Christ. Certainly, if God agrees with everything I think and dislikes all the things I dislike, that's almost certainly not the God who's revealed to us in Jesus Christ. The truth about Christmas, about that Christian 
incarnation, that belief that God became a human being, the truth of it is that God is exactly like Jesus, because that's exactly who Jesus is. He is God with us in human flesh. Now, I just want you to think about that this, this afternoon. Think about the fact that the clearest view of God, we're told, was in a human being, a human life. And now that one thing that means is God is not the enemy of humanity. God is actually forever, we believe as Christians, God has forever become human. He's forever become one of us. So human life and the life of God, the God of this universe, is now forever joined together because God became human. There will never be a time when God's life is not intertwined with human life. Now that, you know, we talk about commitment, don't we? We want people to give commitment to, to things and to ourselves. Well, there's the commitment of God, so committed to us as human beings and to this, I, I, don't, I don't believe just us, but actually this life in this creation that God made, he's so committed to it and to us that he actually became part of it. And that's what the birth of Christ is showing us. God will not give up on us. And that's why he sent a savior. The other interesting thing I think it reminds us is that God doesn't wait for us to be ready or to be right for us for him to then come to us to, to, to bless us and love us and save us. You know, God's not sort of thinking, oh, well, when when they've sorted themselves out, you know, when they've stopped sinning, when they've stopped being their annoying selves that we can be sometimes, oh, well, then maybe I'll come to them when they get everything sorted. No, he came to us in all the mess and commotion, you know, we see it in the Christmas story. And Jesus was there, God in flesh, in the middle of it all, to save us. But the other thing that was really on my mind this week, as I was just thinking about, you know, this wonderful news of Christmas, God became flesh and blood, is what it says about ourselves as human bodies. I want you to look at your, yourself, you know, look at your hand, I don't know, or you're sitting down, look at your legs and your feet, feel your face, your hair. God became that, okay? Now, I think, one reason I think that matters nowadays is because we often are judged by our bodies. You know, everything we experience in life, we experience within our bodies, you know, as, as living flesh and blood. And sometimes we're loved, sometimes we're not loved, we're neglected, sometimes we're cared for, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we are spoken to kindly, other times we're insulted. Some people are abused in their bodies, other people are blessed. Jesus actually experienced all of that. You know, Jesus was cared for by his mother as a baby. He spent his life caring for others as he grew older. He was loved by some, but he was hated by others. He was insulted, he was abused physically in his body. He was hung on a cross ultimately for us. So whatever you've experienced in your body, in your life, the good, the bad, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is not ashamed of who you are and what you've experienced. He is there with you as God to help you through those experiences, to help you mend the things perhaps which are a bit broken, certainly so that you don't have to feel ashamed if others have treated you badly 
because God says he loves you enough to actually become that flesh and blood. We are ultimately, I suppose, one of the biggest questions that we ask as human beings is where do we find our worth as human beings? That's a real struggle. You know, how do we learn to value ourselves? And I think we spend, a, well, most of us probably spend a lot of time thinking we're not good enough. You know, we, because we're told, you know, uh, you know, what's our worth? Well, it's in how attractive I am, you know, how beautiful or how handsome, uh, you know, whether, you know, for blokes, how muscular you are. For women, perhaps, you know, how, how attractive or thin or whatever you look, what your body's like. Or we, we're told our worth is in how successful we are. Or as we get older, where it's in how successful our kids are, you know, what they're doing. You know, have we aged well? You know, have I managed to age gracefully while not looking like I've aged at all? You know, all these, all these things that society tells us about our bodies and how our worth is all connected up with, are you this or that? Are you right? But, but there's this word that Christians believe in that's at the center of our good news and it's the word grace. And what grace means is that none of that matters. It just doesn't matter to God. God's not sitting up there judging you by how you look or what's happened in your life before, before this point. God loves you in, in your weakness. Grace means something's freely given. The only requirement is that you just receive it. You know that you need God's grace and love. And if you know you need it, it's there for you. And that's what we see in the birth of Christ, a world in great need a world with as much rubbish happening in it back then as there is today. And yet what happened? God came and appeared as one of us in the middle of it all. Half the world didn't even know it was happening. And yet God wasn't worried about that because he had come to save us. And he'll come into your life today as well. You know, what about those things that we've got wrong, you might say? What about all those you know, all those things that I've done wrong, you might say? That's not someone else's fault. Well, that's why Jesus in the end, went to the cross, so that all those things, yes, that we've messed up, those things too, Jesus takes from us. He dies on a cross and said, it doesn't matter, even if it kills me, I'll die for you, which is exactly what he did, and then he rose again. And one of the most wonderful things for me I love about the gospel story is that when Jesus had died for us, you know, he said, it says he died for all our sins, and then he rose again, and when he appeared to his disciples, do you know what he said to them? He didn't say, oh, well, I hope you remember what I've done for you there. You know, he didn't say, oh, you know, look what I had to. He said, peace be with you. What's for breakfast? He, he, he ate a meal with them. <laughs> it's, I just think that's wonderful. But God's like, look, yes, I know all the, all the wrong that there is. And I know God says, I know what you've been through or what maybe you've done to others. But I'll, I'll live for you. I'll die for you. I'll rise again so that we can get up in the morning and God says, okay, my peace I give you. Now what's for breakfast? Where are we gonna go next? So I hope this Christmas, you will be able to look at yourself and your life, no matter what it's been, no matter what's happened to you, or no matter what you've perhaps done with your life, however you feel about that, know that God loves you. And that means that right now, you can give your life to him and he'll say, brilliant. Let's go forward in new ways because God loves you and he always will.